Hello and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we're talking about the five things you can do if you don't quite have the money to invest just yet. And this is something we probably haven't talked about for a little while, but it's a very important topic as we're heading into the new year, as we're heading into the holidays, because then you could think about these five strategies. Which ones apply to me and which ones can I actually use if I am wanting to get into an investment property, but I'm just not quite yet. And I think the first thing you need to know, of course, if you don't quite have the money to invest just yet is, well, what sort of properties should I be aiming for? What's the purchase price? And then what's the deposit that I'm going to need? And the first thing I'd say is generally speaking, look, an entry level property costs about $500,000. Now, what I want to ask you, Andrew, is we've been talking about this magic $500,000 property that rents for $500 a week ever since we started this show 18 months ago. Does this property still exist or should we update these numbers and make it a 550 property? Oh, well, no, because my maths isn't that good when we record these because uh, we've had a couple of wines. We've actually moved into our recording studio. There is a wine-free zone now. Now, I think you can still get a good property at that sort of level. I'm sure that probably next year we'll have to increase that to probably 600000 But, you know, a starting out investment is about 500000 And actually, I see, Ed, you've made some notes here and I've got some exciting news as well that right now, as we know, the LVR restrictions have come slammed back on by the banks despite the Reserve Bank having not announced exactly what that's going to look like but we are expecting there to be an exemption for new builds and you can do it 20% and so therefore you need 100000 if you're worth of usable equity or cash if you're buying a house with 500000 as an investment or if it's an existing property it's already there and lived in then it's one fifty. Now exciting update from the banks BNZ are now doing up to 90% for a turnkey investment. So that means that actually you probably can get there with a 50k deposit if you meet the other bank criteria, which is awesome. And we've actually got a full episode coming on that as well. Oh, we were going to No, 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 that's okay because we're going to walk through the practicalities of what that means because there are some things to be aware of if you're borrowing above 80%. But within this episode, we're going to use the example of an investor who's got a 500k house, so this is an owner occupier. They can borrow up to 80% of that value, so they can borrow up to 400k against that property, but they've already got a mortgage of 350k. So they've got usable equity in there of 50k. They need another 50k of usable equity to get going. What are the five strategies? Andrew, kick it off with strategy number one. Number one, being a bank man, pay down your mortgage more aggressively. So let's assume that you now have a mortgage of 350 against your owner-occupied property and your interest rate's 2.55 and your repayment term's 30 years and so your minimum payments that you're required to pay are $321 and that pays some interest and a little bit of principal. And the number of years that it will take you before you've paid off $50,000 is about six, it's 5.96, it's going to take you six years to have paid off an additional 50k. Scenario two, let's say you say, well I can actually afford to pay a little bit more, I'm going to get a border in and that's going to allow me to pay $500 a week between a border and me just not going out for dinner once a week and so all of a sudden your repayment term and remember we talk about repayment term and documented term so your documented term can stay at 30 years so you don't affect your serviceability but the repayment term drops to 16.5 years and it will only take you 2.83 years call it three years so half the time to have paid off $50,000 so you're doing it in half the time which is awesome and this isn't assuming that you have any kind of capital growth on the property as well so if you did 
could get 5% capital growth, it might be a year and a half before you're doing this. That's right. And so what you need to do in order to do this strategy is some extra money. But what I want you to know is you do not have to wait to refix your mortgage before you start paying it down more aggressively because you can pay up to, generally speaking, an extra 5% of your loan per year without incurring a break fee. And all you have to do in order to do that is accumulate some more money, call up the bank and ask them to transfer it off your mortgage. Or actually in this case, what I would recommend is you take 50k off and put it as a revolving credit facility, make that your goal account and keep your payments at the minimum 30 year repayment plan and put the extra money that you've got into that revolving credit so you can see that going down and that will be really motivating as well and if you get a bonus chuck that in there as well. So if I was to do that just to dive into this into the practicalities Andrew do I have to wait for a refix? Absolutely not so so you might incur a partial break fee but that's only on the $50,000 and if your mortgage is three fifty, it might be hardly anything. Fantastic. Let's get into strategy number two, which is actually what you just mentioned, which is waiting for the capital growth. Oh, so, sorry. No, that's fine. But as long as you're an 80% borrower or less, i.e. you've got at least 20% equity within your property, every time your house increases by a grand, that's $800 you can borrow towards the deposit for an investment property. So every time your house increases by a grand, using that five times multiplier, that's an extra four grand you can borrow for an investment property. So let's say that you didn't pay down your mortgage at all, which is unrealistic for this situation since all owner occupiers, generally speaking, need to be on principal and interest. So if you're just looking at capital growth, it would only take you three years before you're ready to invest in your first uh, investment property where you've got enough money in there to be able to use for that deposit, at least 100K. But if you're using capital growth, and here I'm using 5% capital growth per year on a $500,000 property, if you combine that capital growth with your minimum repayments, the ones Andrew just mentioned, hey, you're ready to go in year two, you'll have $107,000 worth of usable equity for that investment property. But if you use that really aggressive strategy, whether you get the border in or not, you just start paying $500 a week towards that, you're really close by the time you get to just the end of 12 months, you'd have 87.5K of usable equity to be able to do something. Maybe that's when you use a 10% loan. Maybe that's where you save a bit. Maybe that's where you use some of the other strategies we're going to get into in order to be able to get there. Or actually, I've had a lot of investors that I've worked with that if they're at that point, they'll draw down the 50K that they need to pay on a 10% deposit on, say, a turnkey build, and then they know that in the construction phase, say the next year, they probably just rely on their loan repayments, don't rely on the capital growth on your house, you're going to be in a position where you can pay the other $50,000 at completion. Number three is renovations. So this might be your own house. We'll just assume that you know, you're living in a house and actually there's some ability to add value there. And remember, we kind of work on the model that if you're going to spend a dollar, you want to increase the home value by two. That's kind of the golden rule for us, or at least two. And so let's say you've got a house value at the moment of 500000 So the bank value, so the maximum that you can borrow against that at 80% is 400000 and your mortgage is three fifty. that same mortgage. So your usable equity right now is a fifty. Now, on this basis, this person does have usable equity of fifty. so they're going to take that out their mortgage is going to go up to 400000 and they're going to use that fifty to add some value to that property. They're going to do some carpet, the curtains, they're going to do the kitchen, they're going to do the bathroom. Now the post-renovation value is 600000 and the bank value on that at 80% is four eighty. Now take off the mortgage of four hundred. remember it's gone up by $50,000, that means they've now got new usable equity 
of 80. So again, you need to have a house that's worth renovating. If you're living in a new house, a brand new house, there's probably not much you can do to increase the value. If you've got usable equity or cash, then you need to be in that position to be able to pay for the renovations. But this is a great way of getting ahead and creating more equity that you can unlock. And in this case, they've got an extra 30k worth of usable equity. Again, combine that with the more aggressive mortgage repayments, you're there. And a nicer house. And that's a beautiful thing too. One interesting quirk is that if you spent 50k and you increased your home's value by 50k, your usable equity actually went down because you can only borrow 80% of that additional 50k worth of value. It's an interesting quirk. Let's jump on to strategy number four, which is using the bank of mum and dad. Now, look, we've talked a lot about this. We've done a whole webinar on this, so you can go and listen to that on our website as well if you'd like to go and check that out. That's opuspartners.co.nz. But this is where you are using the equity within a parent's home or a very close family member's home in order to top you up. So let's say that you did that renovation strategy. You've now got 80K worth of equity in there. You're paying down your mortgage more aggressively and you need a little bit extra. That's where you may just ask your mum and dad whether they'd top you up a little bit using their equity to get you over the line. Again, remember, if you're going to be doing that, make sure you're using a joint loan on that extra bit of equity that you're tapping into when your parents are taking out an additional loan facility against their house. Make sure that's a joint loan so that you've got some skin in the game there, at least in the bank size. You would anyway, but from the bank size. Strategy number five, Good old-fashioned grinding, just saving some extra money. Now, this is not something you want to do if you've got a mortgage, again, because the savings rate that you get is much less than what the mortgage rate is on your mortgage, so you'd want to actually structure your mortgage so you're paying it down, as we talked about in strategy one. But if you don't have a mortgage, if you're just saving your first deposit like I did 17 years ago, what you need to do is maybe look at, hey, can I just save a little bit more? And Hannah McQueen often talks about fritter. So we do all fritter money away by spending quite easily by using PayWave and I say this because I'm guilty of it. If you're really, really serious about investing in property, figure out where you are now, where you need to be and how much you need to get there. And actually one of my friends who is trying to get into their first house at the moment, I was having this conversation with them at the weekend and saying, hey look, here's what you need to be kind of putting aside a week. But also then remember, you need to account for the fact that in Christchurch, for example, which is where he's trying to buy, the market's moving pretty quickly. So you need to be saving enough to just keep up with the deposit requirements. So make sure you're putting aside as much as you possibly can. I've heard lots of people who started out investing and are very successful now, and they just make those sacrifices early on. They're prepared to not go out for dinner. They're prepared to buy the $10 bottle of wine rather than the $50 bottle of wine. And oh, $50 bottle of wine, big spender. <laughs> Ed, you've never picked up the tab when we've gone out for dinner, it seems. And so this is just something that you know is really, really easy. It sounds really really easy but few people actually do it actually work out how much you need to save and sorted.org.nz I think has a great savings calculator on there that you can figure this out with and the bonus strategy, which Andrew mentioned at the start as well, is using a lower deposit loan. So whether going through the BNZ and applying for that, we'll talk about that in a moment, or using a second tier lender as well. Now, what I think is really important to say is, in actual fact, you should probably use multiple of these strategies. You can renovate a property while paying down the mortgage more quickly. You can use the capital growth at the same time, or go and use your bank of mum and dad as well. And what's really important, and I just want to say this, because I know some people are going to say, oh, well, I don't have extra money. So it's all very well and good to say that you should use a saving strategy, but maybe I don't have the extra money for it. Or it's all very well and good to say, tap into your parents' equity, but maybe your parents don't own your home. Look, I totally understand that all. 
and not every strategy that we've talked about is going to apply for everybody. But there may be a few of these that apply to you. And the important thing is to figure out which ones those are and then actually use them. And actually, I do just want to add there as well that... <laughs> Investing in property is a bit of a luxury. You know, you, you look at overseas where people don't often own their own house, let alone an investment property. And it's more and more aware of this now because of the fact that I deal with a lot of investors from overseas. And so I just want to think, you know, you can make some more money. You can start selling things on Trade Me. You can start, you know, downsizing the car. You can start selling your fudge at the local market at the weekend. If you're serious enough about something, and I've got some great examples of young investors particularly who have got gone out there and actually just grind really hard and then they've got a head. And so don't make excuses for yourself either. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. Hey, I just want to read you a review as well. We really appreciate these in Apple Podcasts. This really helps us out getting the message out to more people. And Heidi's written us a really great review I just want to read out. This one is called Most Enthusiastic Property Investors, or it might be investment. It's cut it off. Sorry, Heidi. And she said, Andrew and Ed are just tops. The enthusiasm, passion in each show is what kept me coming back for more. I've learned so much listening to these easy to digest bite-sized episodes. A&E, oh, I've just figured out what that means. That's Andrew and Edward. Yeah. <laughs> Unpack the jargon and turn it into understandable information so everyday people can become property investors. I love that, by the way, Howdy. Thanks to these podcasts, I've gained enough knowledge to invest in my first property with the goal to add more in the future. 10 out of 10, highly recommended. Hey, Heidi, we really appreciate that. And for 159 other people who have rated and reviewed the show as well. And we really do appreciate those. So if you haven't given us a written review yet on Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate it if you would, because it does help us get the message out to more people. Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Epic Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics, and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time.